Welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast, where we discuss all things human design and how it can support you and your spiritual journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all podcast. We are here to inspire awareness about how we are all different and help you answer the questions of who am I? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? You can thrive and live the life of your dreams just by having awareness of your true self. So dive deep with us, get inspired, and start living your life on purpose. Hello, and welcome back to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast with your hosts, Dana and Shayna. Today, we have on a very special guest, Dr. Cleopatra. She is a scientist and university professor who's specializing in the intersection of reproductive health, human flourishing, and how health is transmitted from one generation to the next. And this conversation is mind-blowing to us. We met Dr. Cleopatra a few years ago through a human design reading. She booked a reading with us and we were blown away by her work. We were blown away by her gifts and how in alignment she was. She is just so um, vivacious. Is that a word? She's so Mm. just full of life and energy and beauty and just her vibe is immaculate and just so incredible. And she's literal genius. Like she's so (laughs) smart. So this conversation is one of my favorites. It feels right on time. And all the synchronicities around this conversation coming to fruition and just this time in our life and the theme of legacy and how we can be empowered now to impact our future generations, whether we are having kids or not, is just so incredibly, it makes me want to cry because it's so magical. Like it's just so empowering. Definitely. Yeah. This whole conversation, learning about our fertility, learning about the depth of reproduction from kind of like this science-based place, but also from this sort of like spiritual felt embodied place. I think that this is such a powerful conversation for anyone who's considering having children in the future, but also for anyone in general, just understanding our bodies and understanding our fertility with this level of empowerment, seeing the sacred life force that's within us and understanding the vitality that we gift ourselves when we choose to really work on our health in these kind of deeper ways that Dr. Cleopatra is going to highlight for us. So we're really grateful to share this conversation with you. Okay. So without further ado, let's welcome on our guest for today, Dr. Cleopatra. Thank you so much for being here with us. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you and your beautiful community. I'm such a big fan. And so this is going to be a great conversation. I'm doing great. I'm I'm excited. I love it. Yeah, we were talking right before um, we started recording, but I was looking back at your human design chart because we've gotten to meet before through human design. We've gotten to see your chart and you are just so authentic and so in alignment with your gifts. Your chart is so beautiful. And I was just getting so excited to be able to connect in this conversation and share your wisdom and just be able to be in your essence and your energy. So we're really looking forward to this combo. And we'd love if we could start out by you just kind of introducing yourself to our audience. Can you tell us a bit about you know, what you share, what you teach, what you do, et cetera. Yes. We had such a magical time together doing my human design reading. And it's something that 
I go back to all the time. So I just want to thank you, Lee, so much. <laughs> I'm known for making super babies. I'm the founder of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. And we teach women and couples and families about this magical time leading up to conception, when we really have the power to change the expression of our genes that ignites our fertility and lays this incredible foundation for our super babies and even our super grandbabies. So that's what I'm known for. Oh, I just did a happy dance just hearing you say <laughs> those words. I know um, super babies, that word makes you smile, right? You can't say it without smiling. Yeah. And super grandbabies, like just thinking of the legacy of like the work that you do right now in this yeah. like moment beforehand or, or during just thinking of the impact that that has literally in your legacy is just talk about leaving a, a mark on the world, how incredible your, the work that you're doing is. Thank you so much. And I feel that way too. I feel like we talk so much about legacy and what we pass down in terms of resources. Like you can think about like wanting to pass down real estate or a trust fund but really the most important and valuable legacy and foundation that we could ever hand down is the epigenetic legacy that we're handing down. And what people don't realize is how much plasticity or malleability there is in what's called our epigenome. So we were born with the genes we're always going to have. We cannot do anything to change those genes, but we have a lot of control over how our genes express themselves. That's what our epigenome is essentially. And we pass down not just our genes, but our epigenome through a process called epigenetic inheritance. And the reason why we say super babies, and I'll actually define that in just a second so that people understand what I mean. But what, the reason why we say super babies and super grandbabies is because we know from the scientific data that this process of epigenetic inheritance crosses at least two generations. We think probably more than two generations, but we have scientific data to support two. So it's such an incredible privilege and opportunity that we have that much power to mold and shape our own fertility our pregnancy experiences but also how our fertility and pregnancy program what our children and grandchildren will be like we even shape what their own fertility will be like what their longevity is likely to be like what their mental health physical health immune status digestive conditions all of those things obesity i mean it's just incredible to know that we have so much power to shape these experiences, not just for ourselves, but for our children and our grandchildren. And people come to us at FPI, the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, really mostly because they're either struggling to get pregnant, they're afraid they will because of their age. And we, we specialize in what's often referred to as older, older mamas and older pregnancies. But then they come and they're like, wow, I have just done the most important thing I will ever do, not just for my fertility, which is what brought me here, but also for my super babies and my super grandbabies. And, you know, I was just talking with one of my best friends is Dr. Roseanne Kapanahaj, and she's the pediatric mental health specialist, one of the best in the world. She's amazing. 
And she works with really difficult pediatric mental health cases, including autism and ADHD. And these things are becoming so prevalent and increasingly so. Autism affects one in 44 children. And among boys, it's like one in 27. And the quote unquote older people get when they have when they're pregnant and they have their children, the high, both maternal and paternal, the risk for autism increases. We have in our FPI village not one known case of autism, despite the fact that we work primarily with, I mean, we, we work with people who are younger too. The range is 23 to 48 and a half thus far for the mamas and older for the dadas. But the average mama who comes to us is about 40, 41 years old. And it's she just says like, do you understand what this means that you you have no autism in your community? Like that is unheard of. And it's not just autism, one out of every, almost one, it's not quite one, one, almost one out of every two children today has a mental or physical health condition that's chronic. Like that's crazy. We are born perfect. Or let me say, we should be born perfect. And it should be the wear and tear over time that takes some of that luster and, and functionality away. But what's happening now is that people are being born like that, or that's happening very early in childhood. But these are trajectories that we can intercept if we're deliberate in our trimester in that that critical developmental window leading up to conception. So to me, when people come to me and they're like, I remember, so Mama Danica Brescia shares so much about her trimester publicly and she has super baby girl Billy. And when Dada Billy, super baby girl Billy's Dada came to meet with me the first time, he's like, well, we're young, we're healthy. Can't we just have sex and get pregnant like everybody else does? And I'm like, well, you could, but have you looked around? Like, it's not good what's happening out there. So we could do what everybody else does, especially if we're not expecting to have fertility challenges. But why would you like, don't when you can do better, like the generations before us didn't know better. So they couldn't do better. And many of them were just struggling to survive, but we aren't in that position anymore. We know better now, so we can do better. The science of epigenetics is only about 35 years old. I didn't say, but I'm a retired tenured professor at the University of Southern California. I think when you guys did my reading, I I was just preparing to retire. And I'm a scientist who's who's published dozens of peer-reviewed scientific articles. My my studies have been cited in over 2,000 studies in the past five years alone. I've had almost $3 million in grant funding from the National Institutes of Health and the National Science Foundation, all the most amazing funding agencies. So when, I, when I'm saying this, I'm saying this from a place, not from a place of of opinion or judgment, but deeply from what we understand from the scientific data and from what's possible that I want so many more people to know about. Yes. Wow. I mean, this is such a exciting conversation to me because I'm always wanting to look at what are we empowered to do? I feel like in life, we are so often told what we are not empowered to do, what we don't have control over, what some other authority with a pill or with an answer is going to give us. So having a conversation about what we are empowered to know about ourselves, 
on a deep and kind of like spiritual, natural, holistic approach. It's just so exciting. And I, I'm really curious about epigenetics. Honestly, I know very, very little about it. I think it's fascinating that the study of epigenetics is only 35 years old. I'm yeah. curious if you could kind of like dive into that. I mean, I know that based on our conditions around us, what we experience, our trauma, our our lifestyle, if we're eating healthy foods, if we're around healthy environments and people and the energy, that's my understanding is those things can affect our epigenetics. And then we kind of turn on those sort of qualities and can pass that down. Is that so, somewhat close yeah. to what it, what it you, is? You have, the, you have the general idea down very well. And I'll I'll talk a little bit more about what it is, but in a, in a nutshell, it's really the the science of epigenetics is really the science of why we are who we are. So Mm. you, you've probably heard and, and people listening to us have probably heard about the debate between nature and nurture. If you are a certain way, is it because nature, the genes that you have are nurtured, the way you were raised, your experiences. And then over time, we came to understand that it's really an interaction. It's gene, it's nature times nurture. Gene by environment is another way to say it. And our epigenome is really a reflection of that interaction of nature and nurture. And epigenetics literally means above genetics or above the genes. And our exposures, both internal and external exposures, leave an imprint or or these actual chemical marks on top of our genes that signal the genes, that affect whether the genes will be dialed up or dialed down in their expression. So you can think of your genes, like if you walk into a room and there's a light switch and the light switch, you can flip it on you and you can flip it off, but it also has a dimmer on it. So you can, you can dial it up, you can dial it down. And so what we're looking to do when we're primestering and we continue to live primester life during pregnancy, that's how we're making our super babies. And when I say super babies, I'm just going to come to that definition and then I'll come back to the epigenetics definition. When I say super babies, this is not about social comparison. Like my baby's better than somebody else's baby or your baby's better than somebody else's baby. It means that you get to have the healthiest, happiest, brightest, most well-adjusted baby who is the most resilient to the stresses, the unique stresses of the modern world as humanly possible, given your genes and your epigenome and that of the other person providing DNA for your baby. That's how you get to have your super baby and your super grandbabies. And I know I speak for anybody who wants to have children and grandchildren that they want to have their super babies and their super grandbabies because the thing, I mean, I have now been doing this work for 26 and a half years. You guys know, you ladies know that I started formally doing this work when I was 18 years and two months old or something like that. I went into one or two months old into a pregnancy laboratory at the University of Miami and started doing this work and never looked back. And at that time it was, I mean, still revolutionary, but at that time it was like so revolutionary. And even before that, for my, all of my life, I'd been doing that work because I lost my beautiful young mother at birth. My my mama, Miriam, was only 27 years old when she passed away, giving birth to, to me and to my identical twin sister. And 
that by the time I was five or six years old, I had such a, a deep understanding that reproduction is the most important thing in the world. And when it goes badly, it is one of the most painful experiences that anybody could ever have. So I never had fertility challenges. My fertility has been, fertility and pregnancy and my super babies have been the thing that have come the easiest to me in life. I am so in so much appreciation to be able to say, and I really credit that to so much to this, this work. But I know, I still understand very deeply the pain of when it doesn't go well from, from how I started my life. And now through the work that I've done with thousands of families now on six continents and like over 38 countries, I think we are by now, that, and through my own super family, that when it goes well, it's one of the most magical and beautiful experiences that you could ever have in life. And of course, not everybody wants to have children, but for the people who do want to be a, a mama, especially, it is the most important thing in the world. And it it is one of the most devastating things to first feel like you might not get to have the baby that you're yearning for so deeply. And then if you have the baby, but the baby is not as well as you had hoped. I mean, that that's just really, really, really hard to cope with. We don't have control of, over everything, nor would we want to, because we'd be going crazy, running all over, trying to figure out how to control everything. I mean, we do that anyway, don't we? <laughs> Even though we don't have control over everything. So we don't have control over everything, but we actually have a lot of power in the space of our fertility and pregnancy and intergen the intergenerational transmission of health, which is what we call that, that process of epigenetic inheritance. And I want to say something more about that control, but let me come back to the definition of epigenetics to close the loop. So when we're primestering in the primester, the period leading up to conception, and we continue to lead our primester life during pregnancy, our goal is that we are, as much as we have the power to do, dialing up our genetic strengths and privileges and dialing down our genetic weaknesses. And that's really critical for igniting our fertility so that we can get pregnant and stay pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. But it's also at the same time, what lays that really incredible foundation for our super babies and our super grandbabies that I credit with the just lack of autism and general lack of mental and physical health conditions in our FPI village, which I feel so, I mean, like, could you think of anything better to be doing with your life and your days? Not, nothing really, you know? Wow. I am just several times in hearing you share and teach. I just have like full body chills. Me First too. of all, Me because too. we know your chart and you are just in such alignment and hearing how you came into the world, it literally makes me want to cry because it's just that theme of legacy in, in our lives that you are this living representation and like beacon and light of that literally every person that you come into contact with, you are giving that imprint of 
of what is your legacy. And like you are literally a living example of your legacy. And how can you be empowered by that and uh, alchemize that to really be the highest expression of what that is? And you are the living example of that, like literally born into this world where your mother passed away at the same time. And that threshold between life and death and how they're both a birth in in and of themselves and to go through that threshold and then to literally use your life as this beautiful alchemy to raise that, like bring out the power there and help other people there. It's just, it's mind blowing and just so awe-inspiring. So thank you. And I just want to say thank you. Like, thank you. And also just the epigenetics that, I mean, as you're sharing it, I'm like, is that conditioning? Is like in human design terms of our conditioning are these layers that we like genuinely embed into us. And we go through this process with having awareness and understanding and being empowered with our awareness to then shed that conditioning. And I'm wondering if that's kind of the same process of, you know, work, understanding your epigenetics and then using, like, I guess in that primester like you said, kind of amplifying the good and the, and decreasing the bad? Is that kind of yes. the really layman's term? Yeah, yes. So no, very, it's very much that, right? I mean, they're good, the genes are going to be there. We, we have the capacity to dial them up and dial them down. And we want to dial down our genetic vulnerabilities as much as possible. I mean, my, my parents were third, second or third cousins. I don't know why I can't remember all of a sudden. I believe third cousins, which I know is going to sound very odd to the Western sensibility, but my family's from Egypt and also a very small community of Egyptians who are actually Christian. And it's very common to want to arrange marriages with people you trust, which happen to be family. And so it's very common, even still today. But because of that, I have a lot of weird, not a lot, but I have several weird recessive traits that are super dangerous if combined with somebody else who has the, the, would have these same recessive traits. So my husband and I had to do, I mean, most couples should do genetic testing to make sure they don't have any serious genetic incompatibilities. This is different than, for example, the epigenetic testing that we do and can be done like in a perinatologist's office or an OB's office. But this was really important for us because I, my husband is very mixed. So I'm 99% Egyptian and 1% Ashkenazi Jewish, according to my DNA. And, but my husband, his map is literally the entire world. He's literally everything. And so our super babies are too, which I'm super proud of, like everything. I mean, Indian, Chinese, West African, North African, like everything you could think of. I mean, even there's some Latino and Native American. I mean, he's literally everything because we knew we, we might, he might have tiny overlap with my region of the world that my DNA originate from. Uh, we had to get tested, especially his, his, he has a lot of Jewish blood, uh, 21%. And so there was a big risk, you know, making sure that we were okay there. And he, he's so mixed. He didn't have any weird things, thankfully, but you know, I, so 
all that to say, like I have, I have amazing fertility and amazing pregnancy health and just amazing health in general. I'm so thankful because whew, I, it was rough growing up. If I hadn't been healthy in those circumstances, like I wouldn't have survived, but I have a lot of genetic weaknesses that could have, I mean, that are actually directly linked to fertility challenges and pregnancy complications. And yet they, they had, they had no impact. And even I'm supposed to not have a lot of energy and, and I have tons of energy based on a beta thalassemia trait that I have. So we all have our genetic weaknesses and we, and we can still have the most amazing fertility and we can still have the most amazing pregnancies. And you said something really important when we first opened Dana, which was that it's, we hear so much about what we don't have control over and what we need, like some expert or guru or doctor to give us. And, and I always say your, your fertility is innate. Your fertility belongs to you. Your fertility is your birthright. You don't need me or anyone else to give it to you. And for that matter, unfortunately, me, I cannot give it to you and neither can any human in the world. Trust me, if I could, I would like that. Would, I'd be all over that because nothing would make me happier. The only thing that I can do is give you a set of very powerful, scientifically grounded, super loving tools that allow you to tap into your own innate fertility that you already possess. And I think it's really important for us to understand that even for somebody who, who has decided that they're going to use fertility in, intervention or infertility intervention. And I, there's a word, a reason why I put infertility in quotes, and I can tell you why if, if you're interested, but even if you're going to be using infertility treatment, IVF cannot give you your fertility. It can circumvent fertility, the things that are leading to fertility challenges, and it can extract your raw material, your eggs, your the sperm, but it can't give you healthy raw materials. IVF cannot give you healthy eggs that will lead to a healthy embryo. Only you can do that. Only we can do that for ourselves. If, if you go into an egg retrieval for egg freezing or for embryo freezing for IVF, for making babies immediately, they, it's the process stimulates your body to produce as many follicles, which result in hopefully one-to-one ratio of eggs. And it forces your body to produce as many as possible at once. But if your body doesn't produce that many or you get eggs, but they don't fertilize or they fertilize, but they don't make it to the blastocyst stage or they make it to the blastocyst stage, but then they're not chromosomally normal. There's nothing that IVF can do. The process stops there. So everybody needs to understand that our healthy raw material, we, we are deserving of it. We, it is our birthright and we are the only ones who can create it and access it. Wow. Even if we're going to be using some form of intervention. And I think, I think we've like, we've gotten so far away from that knowing and understanding somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, hearing you share all of this, it's like, how did I not know this before is the feeling that I think everyone's probably having. And that, so 
in the trimester, when you're talking about working with your genes, like how, first of all, how do you get tested for your epigenetics? And then also, how do you then work with them if they're your genes? How can you work yes. with them? You know? Yeah. So there, we have a process of testing, but you don't have to test. We know we know the set of things that is the optimal set of things for 99% of the profiles out there. So, I mean, there may be certain conditions. I mean, if you want that um, additional, like very high level precision, you, you would want to do what our prime DNA testing. If you, if there's a specific issue happening, you may like, we have, you know, we have some mamas who, for example, if they're experiencing recurrent, I mean, we, we've, we have, had mamas who have had up to 17 pregnancy losses b- before they come to us. I mean, oh my goodness. you know, we like something's going on there, right? And 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 the majority of pregnancy losses are the result of chromosomal abnormalities and it's very uh, about 60% of seven, uh, pregnancy losses are the result of chromosomal abnormalities and neural tube defects. And the truth is that once the egg is released and the sperm and the egg meet, there's not much that can be done at that point. All of our leverage is in the primester before, and we need, we need about 120 days before we do have some people are like, I can't afford to take 120 days and my biological clock is running out. I'm 44 years old. And we, we have an accelerated version. If somebody feels like they absolutely can't take the full 120 days. But what I've seen time and time again is that by taking the time, you buy yourself time because you actually can turn the clock back a little bit on your reproductive system. And so it's worth taking the time. And I think we all understand this intuitively that we, there's a dip that our chronological age or our age in years is not equal necessarily to our biological age. And that includes our reproductive or fertility age. So when I, sometimes when I give a workshop, I'll show two 80 year old women side by side. And one of them looks like 30 or 40 years younger. Wow. And when that, I mean, when you, that's an extreme example, but when you see that difference on the outside, you know that there's a reflection of that on the inside. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true with our reproductive age. And so there is a normal curve that describes the pattern of what fertility looks like. And that describes the average in the population but there's a lot of individual variability and there's the potential for a lot of individual variability. So I really pride myself on my amazing fertility. And I'm like, I have every intention of keeping it for as long as possible, because I also know that our fertility is very strongly correlated with our longevity. So there's a study, there, there are a number of different studies that have shown this, but there's one study that showed that women who stay fertile longer are twice as likely to live to the age of 95 years old. Wow. That's how intimately tied our fertility and our longevity are. Because think about it, the reproductive system and especially the ovaries are the first to age. So when they experience 
accelerated aging. It's a reflection that the organism as a whole is experiencing accelerated aging. And when they experience delayed aging, it's a reflection of the organism as a whole experiencing delayed aging. So even for somebody who already has children or doesn't want to have children, it's smart to be really invested in being as fertile as, as you can be. And I know that's so different from what we're taught, right? We're taught be so afraid of your fertility. Don't get pregnant on accident. Like what a scam because there's only 12 to 24 hour period in a month when someone can actually conceive. Now that doesn't mean you're only fertile for one day, but the egg has to be, have been released in ovulation and be present to be fertilized. And the egg only lives for 12 to 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So it's, I just think that, that we've done such a disservice in the way that we, educate and socialize people about their fertility and about what's possible. And it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem because rates of fertility challenges are increasing at an astronomical rate every year. I mean, in both males and females. And when I say that, I don't mean to leave any people out if they're if they're not identified with a uh, a binary but the but the scientific data are looking at males and females which is why I'm I'm speaking in that language so it's just something that we have to talk about more and something that i feel like we health class needs to be focused on this not on all the scare tactics and all the crazy things that we get shown and i mean i really i really want my super babies to be so deliberate about their fertile power. And I mean, I, I always talk to my, all, all three of my super babies. I have two boys and a girl, the girls in the middle, they're uh, four, seven and nine and absolutely delicious. And the epitome of super baby. I'm so, so thankful and proud of them. And I always talk to them about their, their fertility. And just to me, this is all part of you know, being strong mentally, being strong physically, be having our, our soul be strong. Like our, our life is about us getting to live it fully. And when you want to have a family, you cannot feel that you're fully living the life that you've dreamt of living without that. It has to be there. And I always tell, tell my super babies, like, you don't have to make anybody happy or please anybody, including me. Not that that makes my job any easier, but your life is <laughs> for you. You're the, po- the point of your life is that it be pleasing to you, not that it be pleasing to me. And I think that that's so important and, and is so much a part of whether we get to know and appreciate and love our fertile power, our sexual power, or whether we feel scared of it, we're running from it, we're locked up around it, all of that. Didn't you guys say, you ladies say that I have no gates on my, on my solar um, chakra? Is that right? Yes. Am I saying this correctly? Okay. Yep. Tell us, tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been looking at your chart this whole time as you're talking, cause I'm literally in awe of you. I think Shana is having the same experience well, on her end. Um, but I, you know, <laughs> for everyone listening, <laughs> for everyone listening, Dr. Cleopatra is a four, six sacral generator and you're, you know, with a cross of Maya with your incarnation cross and your whole cross is this energy of being a powerful force of education in this world, like a powerful force that is here to really make change 
And you're so good at teaching in a very detailed and specific and scientific and factual way. And you have this deep spiritual energy of communicating inner truth that can heal and transform us. So it's this unity of the facts and figures and the data and the science and this deeper undercurrent of like real spiritual truth that can transform us in a second, just hearing you speak about it. So I am in awe of you because I feel these two things in you so deeply and it's so beautiful to witness. And the main thing that I really am struck by in this moment is just some of the phrases you say, it's like, no one has ever said that before to me. I know it's true. It's true. It's crazy. And it's just amazing to talk about fertility and to celebrate our aliveness and our vitality in this way. And hearing you talk about these deeper truths is honestly healing in like a quantum moment. Like I feel it wash over my soul to hear that. And then also it's beautiful to have this, you know, data-driven background that there really is this kind of empowerment and change. But this conversation around educating our children and educating the future direction of humanity to have this empowerment and to really understand what we can actually do to to create a better future and to set all of our children up into this realm where they understand their bodies. Like that's been the biggest thing that Shane and I have been uncovering lately in our own spiritual journeys is just the lack of awareness that we were taught about our own bodies, about our own magic, about our own cycles. And, you know, the way that our average kind of Western doctors talk about our fertility, I feel like is so, first of all, lacking depth, lacking awareness. And, you know, that's kind of like the nicest way to say it. And in sort of maybe like a meaner or more bitter way, it's like purposefully patronizing, purposefully degrading, like purposefully telling you like you're old and you don't have any control. And like, you're not even responsible enough to understand the inner workings of your own biology. So this work that you're doing, I think is so powerful. And and you were asking about your completely undefined solar plexus. You know, when we see this, it's really a mark of someone who is so empathetic in these collective emotions, you know, in the highest expression, it's almost like your body is this temperature gauge for this collective emotion. And, you know, that's so connected to our spiritual growth as, as a humanity, our spiritual evolution, all of that pain and heartache and heartbreak. And I think that pregnancy and loss of pregnancy is obviously one of the deepest forms of heartbreak that we could ever experience. And thus such a pivotal part of our spiritual growth as a human being is to really address that and feel that. And also on the other end of that, perhaps maybe the highest high of all love and ecstasy comes from having a healthy super baby, having a healthy family, getting to see that thriving energy. So I love everything that you bring to this conversation. It's honestly amazing to witness, but how do you feel about that like emotional realm and working in this realm that is so deeply emotional and so deeply spiritually activating for people? Yes. It's really interesting. I often think now I've grown into a really strong businesswoman, but I did not start out that way because I had zero training in business and also grew up very poor. So never saw anybody like working with money or building wealth or even really having anything. I mean, it was 
not pretty. My dad had as a single father with five children in America, 7,000 miles away from any family, any support. Like it was not pretty. I would say that one of the things that has revealed itself to me over time is that it's not the smartest business move to do have a mission that people aren't aware that they need, right? So if I were doing it just for the like business aspect and the financial aspect, I never would have done that. But I I I'm doing what what God meant for me to do. I'm doing what I was supposed to be here to do. And thankfully, I'm not afraid to use my voice. And so I've been able to speak up and always get back up no matter how many times I get knocked down and keep speaking up about how important this is. So nobody's out there Googling the primester or not that many people yet, right? And so they don't they're not looking for this solution. And that's a that's a, a hard business to be in. And yet I just, I mean, we see every day, like every single day, how important it is, how transformative it is. And every single one of those thousands of super babies makes such a difference in our world. And I always say that trimestering is the highest form of activism available to us because it's not just about us. We are contributing to the state and the soul of the world for generations to come when we take these 120 days. Like that's a no brainer, right? Of course we, we want to do that. And so I feel so deeply proud and in appreciation for doing this work. And it is very hard. We had a really big growth year in 2020. It was like between 2019 and 2020, you know, I went from like working in obscurity and only the people who were being referred and we were all word of mouth knew about me to suddenly more people knowing because some people were sharing on bigger platforms. And I, in that year, I did a lot of work and I I had been doing it for so long, but there was really a big shift that happened in me that I knew I was ready to hold that many more people because we have a very high success rate. And anytime there was even one family that didn't get pregnant immediately after primestering, I basically had to like pick myself up off the floor every time. And it was kind of like, okay, like this is my, my, my higher power, like saying to me, like, I'm about to give you a lot more and you're not going to be able to pull this shit of falling on the floor. You know what I mean? Like you can't do that for thousands of people. And so it was this just huge moment of like being ready because with more success, there are more failures. And I had to, I had to be okay with that. And, and I'm going to say that in the world of fertility and pregnancy, there are no gradations of success. It is like pregnant, not pregnant. There's nothing in between everything else, mental health, physical health, chronic disease, weight loss, like whatever it is, there are are gradations of success, but that is not my business. And so you have to be so, you have to, so I, I mean, I have some serious grit 
And when you talk about like, how do I feel about that emotion? Like you, you ladies knowing my chart and knowing how deeply I take in the world and I take in people's pain, understand what I mean when I said like any time any person wasn't successful, I was like, I had, I literally, it's, it, it feel it as so, I mean, maybe not the same as they feel, but probably like the next thing, you know, and it's, it. I had to just be okay with knowing that we were about to step up and help exponentially more people. And that would also mean that there would be more people whom we wouldn't be able to help. But if I stopped all those people, we did help all these super babies wouldn't be here. And that's what I had to, I had to just keep my sights on. And now we have a big team and it's amazing that we have this core group of people who I feel are this extension of me in the level of love and commitment. And so they hold with me now. And that feels really powerful. And everybody knows like the FPI village is just something special, like so loving, like fiercely loving. You know, we are both like in our femininity and all in masculine, like, let's get this done. You know, let's get, make this super baby. Come on. You know, like I'm serious about this. So, so I always say like, I take your super babies and mine very seriously. Like I'm so serious about you having them. And so that's been the the emotional journey for me. There's been a lot of tears along the way. And I, every day I, when those ultrasound photos come in and the picture of the positive pregnancy test and the new super baby arrivals, and then I just know like I'm so on purpose here. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And honestly, your chart screams love and commitment because you have this channel that's all about committing your energy towards not only your own path and listening to your body and working in commitment and connection with other people, but also helping other people to listen to their bodies and understand what their bodies are telling them. And this capacity to hold what you're talking about of like, okay, I've been holding this capacity and I've been feeling this heartbreak and I, it's literally like it's happening to me. And I, it's now time to increase that capacity to hold. And how does that look in a way that is not destructive to me, but in a way that is amplifying my gifts and, and, uh, amplifying others. That is this completely open solar plexus of this emotional realm where you can feel all the full range of people's emotions, which in this work, like you said, there is no like middle place. It's like the extreme high and the extreme low. And being able to hold that space, anytime that you have a completely open center, that's ultimately the essence is holding space. And in a collective way, in a collective way, holding the space for emotions and that range and that extremes and not being scared to go there because you've been there, felt that. And it's always kind of time to 
expand further and expand further. And especially in your case, you have this big theme around commitment and success and failure and being in it to win it and being persistent and succeeding where other people might fail. And that's a big theme in your life. You also have a big theme in your life around seeing the highest potential and being able to help people reach that potential. It's this very visionary quality. Like we like to say like startup energy. That's that's about, you know, initiating people towards their reaching their highest potential. So when we talk about super babies, I mean that's like the essence of this energy. And it's really incredible. And I I mean, this conversation is so divinely timed because we met with you a few years ago and now in our journey, connecting again right now, this is like in the time where we are thinking about having kids and like in our preconception kind of stage. And I'm definitely going to do this 120 days of like commitment my towards own. my we own kids. I will love to take care of you and your primester and your pregnancies. I'm like how this is just so divinely perfectly timed and just also so exciting. I wanted to ask you for anyone listening, like, are there any tips or things that they can do right now that can just help them to be more in alignment with their body and their fertility, whether they're planning on having kids or not, but just like that vital energy and that fertility health. Are there things that they can do right now to kind of optimize or just start playing or or deepening that realm? Yes, absolutely. So we, one of the things that's, I I just want to say that our, our mission statement includes helping people to have as many super babies as their heart desires using the best of science and love and commitment. So when you said love and commitment, I was like, oh, we are so there. And it's true. We are the most committed, caring, competent place on the planet for people's fertility and pregnancy success. I can say that without a doubt, because I know the 100,000 hours that I have invested over 26 and a half years. And I know that that has not happened anywhere else in the world because I, it's just not possible. It's like that commitment is so, my devotion is so deep and high and incredible. Yeah. And when you're in a place of, of alignment and using all of your gifts, it has this momentum behind it and this magnetism behind it that is just unstoppable. And also just like so destined and so like anyone that comes into your orbit, it's like they're they're amplified into that space. And that's in whatever field, like anyone listening, like when you are in alignment and you are using your gifts, like that is the aura and the magnetism that you are putting off. And the more that you keep going with that and leaning into that, it's like your orbit gets bigger and bigger and your magnetism gets bigger and bigger where it's like, we couldn't not be on this mission and doing this thing and amplifying our gifts in this way. And everybody that comes onto your team as you grow and grow, whatever field that's in, it's like they're now like, I don't want to say swept up, but they're amplifying that mission as well. And the mission is amplifying their gifts as well. It's like this symbiotic co-creation to really share your gifts. So it's like, 
of course. And it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And it's always going to be coming back to, okay, my capacity to hold, what does it feel in my body? And what is that truth for me? And like letting that guide you. So I just wanted to like validate what you're saying because it's just, it's just such a good example and exciting. So anyways, please. It, it is, and it, it's just a reminder of like, it's not silly to do what you love. You've got to educate yourself about how to do what you love in a way that gives you a good life. Because like you said, you don't want to do what you love to your, the detriment of your own soul or well-being. But you're always going to win and help other people win when you remember what you love and you do what you love and you do what you love in a very intentional way. And I think that, like you said, that's for everybody listening. It's not silly to do what we love. It is not. And the path I took was a very difficult one in that it didn't fit a lot of who I was. And so I was fighting the current a lot of the way. I was my, I'm the first generation of formally educated women in my entire lineage. And I don't just mean college. I mean, any formal education. And I went from that to being, getting a PhD, doing the most prestigious postdoctoral fellowship, and then being the first woman of color to be hired on the tenure track in the school, the Davis school at USC, the university of Southern California, the ninth. Wow private institution in the world. So you can imagine, I mean, that devotion is what carried me because that shit was not pretty. Sorry. I hope there are no children listening. (laughs) It was not, it was not fun and it was not pretty, but I believed that having that strong scientific foundation was so important because I I had I was already aware of what the pieces were by observing the world. I was always a student of human behavior and human health, but I I wanted to conduct the research. I wanted to do the studies. I wanted to have such a strong foundation for the work that we were doing, and it was the the process was hard and in the place i i i was like a circle forcing myself into a square a lot of the way and that part felt really hard but you're right this mission was just so powerful that it just kept like flowing through like pummeling over everything in its way because man i hit so many obstacles but like i just couldn't be stopped and i was you know, I had my three super babies within the span of five years on the 10-year clock as a woman scientist, like woman of color scientist. That's just unheard of. And I was carrying a lot, but I, but something was carrying me the whole way. So that's just a reminder to like really allow yourself to be who, who you are. And when you feel like day after day, something feels really hard, you know, question, interrogate whether you really need that thing to go where you're going. Uh, finally, I I left academia. I retired from USC. I got tenure. I did all the really hard things. And then I realized I, I, I was never going to be, I, I, I was always looking like I was like so alive and blossoming and just 
you know, had so much life in me, but I knew there was more and I knew I would never fully blossom until I was free of what felt like chains for me in that space. And I know it's not that way for everybody, but for me personally, it was. Yeah. It's so powerful. And honestly, your chart, it's, it's that liberation, that being able to commit yourself to where you're going, that, that path. It's like your sacral is directly connected to your G center, which is like literally life force connecting and driving your mission and your purpose and your path. And it's like, when you're tapped into that, it's, it's that like, I keep doing like a tumbleweed almost like, or a boulder, right? Like it's just going and it can't be stopped, which is really beautiful. Okay. So one of the amazing things is the way we look at fertility pregnancy and we use a fertility and pregnancy pyramid as shorthand and it has five levels. But the I want to talk to you about the top three epigenetic inputs because those are things that people can start focusing on right away. And the number one epigenetic input is going to surprise you. It's thoughts. Our scientific wow. data show that she's like, yes, our scientific data show that we have somewhere between 6,500 to 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. That's a huge range. But we don't know for sure where we fall in that range. But wherever we do, we have a lot of thoughts every day. And here's the kicker. 80% of those thoughts are repetitive and most of them are negative. And they're negative thoughts we're having about ourselves, our life, our place in the world, our relationships, how we compare to other people. And every thought and feeling has a biochemical underpinning that's leaving its imprint on top of our genes. And so, and, and also it's affecting the genes of the microbes living inside of us. And we actually have even more microbial cells inside of us than human cells, which is why we call the microbiome, the second genome and the second epigenome. So we really want to be paying attention to the things that we're thinking. We spend about 40, I've done this calculation. I want to, I don't know if I know the number exactly off the top of my head, but about 40% of our life having repetitive thoughts and worrying about and thinking about things other than what we are doing. Like that's a big waste of our life, but it's also aging us profoundly So it's way easier. People are always worried, like, do I have to change the way I eat, you know, to primester? And I'm like, we talk about macronutrients and micronutrients. We give you a lot of important nutritional and especially digestive guidance because of the importance of the microbiome. But people are always worried about that. But I'm like, be worried about your psychological hygiene and habits, because that's going to be way harder to clean up than what you're eating. It's way easier to clean up our food than it is to clean up our thoughts. So number one epigenetic input is our thoughts. Number two epigenetic input is sleep. And that's also because of the sheer frequency with an accumulation of time that we do it over the course of our lives. And the third one is food, both micronutrients and macronutrients. Again, because we spend about four and a half years of our life total eating. And because 
we're taking in nutrients, whether it's through food, drink, supplements, many times a day. So it's having a repeated influence on our, our epigenome. So those are the top three epigenetic inputs. And I would say if you want to start somewhere today, you start by paying attention to those. And at the level of your thoughts, one of the most important things to remember is that the central nervous system is principally involved in both safety and survival and reproduction. And when the brain and the body register a lack of safety somewhere inside of us or in our lives, it sends the signal that it is not a good time for reproduction, that it's not safe. There aren't, there's a shortage of resources. And remember, it's very costly in terms of the resources it takes to ovulate, to grow a pregnancy, grow a human, birth a human, breastfeed a human. So the brain and body need to know that there are sufficient resources in order to comfortably funnel the vast amount of resources that are needed for reproduction and growing a human to occur. So one of the things that you can really focus on in your thoughts, and this is going to be way harder than anything else you do, but it, it's worthy of the time and attention and love and care, is creating a greater sense of safety inside of yourself by how you are thinking about yourself and how you're thinking about your life. That is one of the most important things that you can do. We know that when we're stressed, we're more likely to get a stomach ache. We're more likely to catch a cold. We're also more likely to have a difficult time getting and staying pregnant because those are rest, digest, restore functions from the parasympathetic nervous system. If we're constantly living in a state of fight and flight and emergency and trauma, current traumas, reliving past traumas, the brain and body are having a hard time getting the message that it's safe to reproduce. We call sending those signals of safety to our brain, body, and baby, because by the way, our babies are already inside of our ovaries and our follicles experiencing everything we experience. It's like they're, they're eavesdropping on us. Every thought, bad thought you have about yourself, they're feeling the biochemical underpinning of that and they've been with you. They know you better than anyone because they've been with you your whole life since you were a 20 week old fetus in your mother's womb. And so you, we want to be so deliberate in this process of sending the right signals, the signals of safety. We call this leaving the porch light on for your super baby and making it as bright as humanly possible. And it's like the idea of like, say you're in a neighborhood and there aren't street lights and you're going to a house that you've never seen before and you're driving down the road and there's a lot of traffic and all these bright headlights and you can't see anything. And you're driving and you're driving and you miss the house because you don't know where it is. And you can't see it with all the lights, but if the house is like well, brightly lit and the doors open and then you're like, oh, they're the ones waiting for me. And that that's like leaving the porch light on for your super baby and making it as bright as possible. So I would say creating creating safety and a big place where people need to create safety is in how they're eating because eating too much and eating too little sends the signal of a lack of safety and a lack of resources. Safety in their partnership, if they're partnered or lack of partnership, there's a lot of 
difficulty feeling safe in relationship, I've learned, I'm so thankful to say, I don't experience that in my marriage at all. It's like the safest, happiest place I've ever been in my life. And I'm so thankful for that with, with my super babies. But I, I have a front seat into a lot of relationships through the work that I do. And I see a lot of lack of safety in intimate relationships, even with people who have been together for a long time. And then the way we exercise can be creating lack of safety or contributing to safety. Professional environment has a big impact on, that was a, a tremendous place of not of lack of safety for me personally. And I just think that, you know, trust your instincts on where you need more safety. We actually have a, a fertility safety wheel that we can share with you to, to share with people so they can have a guide to run through it. But I always say, trust your instincts, because if you're willing to look honestly, you know where you need to create more, more safety in your life. Wow. <laughs> so fascinating. Me and Shana have like our mouths open right now where we're like, what? And our hearts open. I mean, on one level, it's surprising to hear what you're saying because I've never heard anyone say it quite in that way. And on another level, it makes so much sense. It just resonates on this like really deep level as like, of course, that yeah. feels so true and so real. And, you know, the thoughts part being the number one thing. I mean, that's really beautiful and exciting because we hear you on the fact that that's the, maybe the most challenging and most important place to start taking empowerment in your life. And also that word safety. Yes. Like that really makes so much sense. And on all levels, right. And that feeling that frequency, Shane and I have been learning a lot about our nervous system lately and doing breath work and tapping into that safety on kind of all levels. And so empowering and fascinating to hear that those two realms have such a great importance. I love it so much. Wow. Yeah. And okay. So I know that we're running out of time, <laughs> but where can people connect with you, learn more, dive in? How do they find you? Well, I just want to say like, this has been so unbelievably beautiful. Thank you. And to everyone listening, I'm just sending you so much love. And as I always say, super baby dust, because I can't wait to celebrate your super babies with you. We have like the super baby dance. We're jumping up and down with tears and squealing. Like my super babies know that when mama's doing that, there's a new super baby who arrived. It's just our thing. <sighs> So I'm so excited for that. And uh, we would love to uh, see you again. And uh, you can find me at fertilitypregnancy.org, fertilitypregnancy.org. And we actually have a really incredible uh, checklist resource on that page, which will also give you some additional steps that you can start implementing right now. It takes you through a specific safety exercise, not the fertility safety wheel, a different safety exercise, as well as other steps that you can start taking immediately. Wow. That is so incredible and so exciting. And just, yeah, the word legacy just keeps coming up and... um generosity too. Thank you so much for just directing us and teaching and living your purpose and letting us just benefit from that so much. And it just feels in our personal life, like right on time. And I know everyone listening, they're listening for a reason because it's right on time too. So thank you so much. I'm so excited. And I can't wait to tell my husband about this because literally this is how timely it was yesterday. 
I was calling different places to try to get genetic testing for my husband because I had genetic testing done and there's a whole thing there. But, and I'm like, I can't find the right place. I can't like, none of these are the right vibe. And then of course, I'm like, this has been on our schedule for weeks and I don't know why it didn't occur to me. So anyways, it's just like so right on time. So thank you so, so much. I'm just so excited. You are most welcome. I'm so excited for you, ladies. And I also want to say thank you for what you do because you do the same thing. Like you, you live so on purpose and we all benefit from your beauty and wisdom and the magic that you create as individuals and you create as a unit as well. Mm, Thank you so much. And everyone listening, have a beautiful, fertile, vital... Yes. Super baby vibe. Rest of your beautiful day. Wow. After hearing this conversation and hearing Dr. Cleopatra's wisdom, we're just feeling so inspired because it just reiterates all of the wisdom that we feel in our bodies around being in alignment and being empowered to really trust yourself and believe in yourself and understand what you can do from a place of safety to really come into your highest expression and how important that is for ourselves as an individual and our own vitality, but also for the legacy that we're wanting to leave. So it's just really kind of grounding in this excitement that we have for human design and for passing on this wisdom, helping other people find that alignment and that empowerment. So if you're feeling interested in learning more about human design or becoming a human design reader. We have a lot of resources out there. Our book, Your Human Design is an amazing foundational resource that is inspiring and practical to help you really kind of learn the the basic practices of how you can start coming into alignment today in this moment in a really grounded and real way. Yeah. Talk about deconditioning and the Mm -hmm. impact that when you decondition, it's the biggest gift that you can give to the rest of the world around you and especially your kids um, and helping them understand who they are, how that's going to impact their kids. Like that legacy, that imprint, it's just so, so important. So if you're wanting to learn the full system of human design, we also have our reader training and that gets really in-depth. That way you can use this, whether that's with clients in a different business or being a human design reader or using it with your friends and family. There's so many different ways. So our training, our book. Also, there's so many resources that we've created to help support you in deconditioning and honoring your truth and knowing how to align to your path. If you're not sure what that is. So you can find all of that on our website, daylunalife.com. Also on our Instagram at dayluna. And we just love you all so much and hope that you're having a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day.